listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For this episode, I had the opportunity to interview Christoph Morrow. Christoph, who is originally from Texas, but now lives in the Canadian province of British Columbia, is the author of The Second Son. I'm here with Christoph Morrow, who is the author of The Second Son. Christoph, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Hello, Aaron. Thank you for having me on your show. Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, well, I'm sorry. I have, I, I have Tourette's. Um, that's something that you'll discover like throughout this um, discussion. Uh, but uh, I'm a I'm a writer from originally from Texas, um, and uh, I joined the military right out of high school, uh, and then started writing. Uh, then I became a, I lived all over the country and, um, and started taking writing very seriously. I got a job as a reporter in Texas. Um, and then after uh, um, everything went kind of haywire uh, in America, I, went, I moved to Canada. So I live here, I live here now. And that's why I do full time is right. So. Without spoiling too much of your book, The Second Son, what is that book about? It's essentially uh, an allegory uh, uh, for older generations that you know that, that we uh, share this world with, uh, living in a kind of paradise, financial or otherwise, while the rest of us sort of uh, live in a Game of Thrones type, um, you know, eat or be eaten kind of world. Um, and I mean, this is I mean everything that I'm talking about is informed by like stats, like the, how much wealth uh, our generation has versus uh, older generations uh, at, at the same age as, uh, uh, as we were when they, uh, when they were our age. Um, and it's about climate change and it's about empire. It's about, it's about, it's, I try to be comprehensive, I think, in, in what I discuss uh, in terms of like, uh, uh, there's so many things uh, I try to cover um but uh i i really the, the, i'll tell you what i avoid i think that's, that's that's actually maybe a shorter list i don't like i don't really care for like sexism or racism in this particular like um because it's just it's not a very helpful conversation or productive you know it can't and i and i like tolkien's strategy where he made anyone feel like they could achieve uh like greatness and they could undermine authoritarianism and um, do beautiful and wonderful things um, with great effort and sacrifice. How did you use TikTok to promote your book? Uh, well, initially it began as a, uh, I, I started a, a TikTok to discuss uh, Tourette's um, because I had seen many people on the platform, um, but it, it's kind of, it was kind of famous for that for a while. Uh, I, I thought I saw. So um, I joined uh, to participate in that conversation. Uh, and for the first three weeks, I didn't really, I didn't talk about my work at all. I just talked about, uh, I, so I only had my account for three weeks before I went viral. Uh, and I sold it like, and I, and I had a video that, uh, went like, I had almost 400,000 views and another one that has like almost 300,000, um, that I made like right after that. And it, and it was because, uh, it was it's funny. I, I'm a woman that I, I, uh, that I don't know, I didn't know before. She's become a very dear friend of mine though. Uh, very, very dear to me. Um, Sandra, she's the first person who ever read, read my book, uh, that I didn't know. And she, she told me, uh, 
that she loved my work and she re she was the first person to review it because of her review though two people bought my book and now i made a video about that and so after she reviewed i made the video about her and then i made another video about the two people that bought it because of her and then the next morning when i woke up i saw that uh, it was that i had jumped from like 40 i was number 40,000 something in in different categories and i was i was in the in the hundreds and i was uh, number 247 i think in epic fantasy um on amazon so i made a video about that and that's the one that went viral and i i've sold like about 1200 copies um and about a third of those are, are physical um so yeah that's that's really it i just i just discussed my work in that sense yeah now, is your book self-published, traditionally published, or published via a hybrid press? It's definitely self-published. Um, I had a rationale for that, um, and and it's that, and it's actually informed by Justin Bieber's success. <laughs> because even he, like this is like a long, you know, like over a decade ago, he was nobody, and, and uh, nobody knew who he was. And then he had YouTube, and then he was discovered that way. And and, and I mean, thousands of people, very very talented people on YouTube and other platforms uh, have been discovered this way. And um, if, if the quality of your work is not wanting, then it, that, then it will succeed. It's going to work for you because that's, that's just the quality. That's just the way the world works um, at, at a certain point. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I was just, I was, I was encouraged also by, I saw um, Harper Collins uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was a couple of years, but they purchased Simon and Schuster, which, uh, of the there's like five big publishing companies or something and simon and schuster was one of them and so it's like it it would be like uh it'd be like walmart buying kroger you know it just uh, you would know that the whole industry is in trouble if like if just like if one of the big five is failing to like uh is, is failing to make it on their own and so i thought like what what value does a publisher really provide if they're struggling right now um and so and then I discovered that Dickens, Charles Dickens was rejected over 60 something times by publishers. I had already suffered a few rejections for my for my book uh, before I had made um, some pretty um, uh, thorough revisions. Um, so I didn't I didn't really feel like pursuing that again. And I just wanted to get my work out there. I didn't really care about trying to appease like people that I don't know that I don't know the quality of their taste or, you know. Do you plan on writing more books? Oh, absolutely. I'm writing I'm writing the third volume right now of the Second Son series. So, um, yeah, the first – I actually wrote a kid's book too, but that was for a gift. And uh, I ended up publishing it but taking it down for uh, just because it, it felt more personal. Um, and uh, – but my the, – the first two books, the first two volumes of the Second Son were actually meant to be one book. But I thought I would be able to give away – one of the volumes for free and then have the second volume. You can purchase that one if you thought um, I was worth that um, expense. And so, um, but that ended up not being that way. They, they don't let you do that on Amazon. So I, I, I just uh, combined them into, you know, one and two and, and now I'm working on the third volume. So. Earlier in your adult life, you would exchange letters with uh, Robert Olin Butler of A mm -hmm. Good Scent from a Strange Mountain fame. Mm -hmm. In fact, Robert o Olin Butler is uh, from my home state of Illinois. 
Mm. Uh, what was it like to exchange letters with a Pulitzer Prize winner? You know, it's funny because he didn't answer me for a long time. <laughs> he didn't answer me for a while. I just kept writing him, though. Um, so uh, I knew that he taught at Florida State University. Uh, he was the head of the creative writing department there. And um, I was getting into uh, I was very I was starting to take writing very seriously and and like very thoughtfully considering like what it meant to me and and what does prose mean and what is the function and, and purpose of a story and why do we share them and um like and in those I, I started to write and reflect on that and talk to him and wrote to him about it and um he finally wrote me back and like at two o'clock in the morning um one day <laughs> Uh, and I uh, and I freaked out and I called my friend uh, who was a, the, the first person to ever set up a public reading for me in Louisiana when I was in my early 20s. Um, she uh, she's a very lovely woman. And, and we and but uh, anyway, so basically it was it was really extraordinary to to be able to talk to him because, of course, he he has a great deal of wisdom uh, in terms of like actually producing also producing the content, even if you don't um exactly uh meet uh, in terms of pr style like you don't agree and how like it should manifest but it but in terms of actually creating it and having the discipline and different strategies for for like producing um for generating your work he was really good at that um and helping you to like uh thoughtfully consider a scene and and to better describe it i mean and and, and more relevance uh, i don't know um and it was a, but it became kind of, um, it became really nice uh, later on because it became more casual and I could sort of just share with him a little bit. I didn't share with him any of my work for the first few years, actually, that I, I wrote to him, though. So he didn't read anything I wrote until about two and a half years in, maybe. Now, you mentioned in your introduction that you have Tourette syndrome, and I'm going to ask this because there was a, a popular YouTuber, uh, the uh, Tourette's guy was uh, what he went under under YouTube. I don't know what his real name was, uh, but uh, as I have an autism spectrum disorder and uh, it affects me differently than a lot of other people that have autism or autism spectrum disorders, how does your Tourette's syndrome affect you in your life? Oh boy. Um, it has completely transformed uh, my relationship with people uh, and with myself. Um, and it's because um, it's so um, evident that I have it <laughs> uh, when I'm out in public. Um, and uh, so I didn't actually, it didn't actually manifest until I was in the Navy, uh, in the U.S. Navy. And I, I had, um, and I didn't experience, it was very episodic after that and, and sparse. So like I didn't experience, I would experience one episode every few years maybe. Um, and that was, uh, and that went on until I was about 25. And then it became, uh, then it started to uh, become more apparent and, uh, and the symptoms uh, more frequent, and I started having actual tics um, every day. And um, then I was diagnosed at 27. And the thing is that it's um, I have uh, injured myself. Like uh, my my like I my tics actually compel me to punch things. 
Um, and so my right hand is like chronically swollen. Uh, I can't actually use it right now. Really. I can't, I can't grab things with it, uh, because it, it hurts too much. Uh, so I have to use my left hand for everything now, uh, which is a real pain, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, and, uh, my, my ticks, uh, they force me, like I, I punch myself in the face. Um, uh, I've given myself black eyes. I've given myself all kinds of, um, uh, you know, like knots on my head and, and, uh, um, I had, I had a tick for a while that put me in the hospital a couple of times. I had to, I was clenching my teeth and I was going to break my own teeth. Uh, so they had to give me like a thing. So I wouldn't like a mouth guard and a bunch of other medications. So I wouldn't do that. Um, and, uh, it makes it actually, it, I don't, I'm not sure how much it affects my dating, but it did, it did sort of end my marriage because, <laughs> uh it, it's 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 destructive uh to your your ability to cope um yeah with a lot of stuff because i mean i mean you imagine uh contending with all of that on top of like having regular human anxiety and um, all the other things that are symptomatic of uh, despair you know you've been sober for some time now after battling alcoholism how long mm -hmm. have you been sober and what is the best advice that you could give someone who wants to quit his or her alcohol addiction? Um, I've been sober since I was 27. I actually, it's funny because I became sober January 6th, 2017, I think. Um, and that was two weeks before Trump was inaugurated. Um, <laughs> um, so my, my suggestion, I think is to let people, uh, is, is you have to be, first of all, forgiving and understand that you are going to make a lot of rationalizations for, um, beginning different kinds of substances that share in the fact that it will make you drunk. Like you'll do wine and then you'll try, Oh, I'm going to do beer. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm only going to drink light beer. Um, people do that with all, every kind of addiction. They, they do that with, they, they try to find ways, uh, to escape the consequences of, of like not being able to control, um, the urge to want something. Um, and so you have to, you have to respect that is a real true human flaw that is just part of our nature. Uh, forgive yourself, uh, for that. And, or realize that it is it is just true that if you struggle with alcoholism and you drink too much, it will kill you, and it will either it will either kill kill you or ruin your relationships with every person that you love, and you just cannot do that. It just, and in the same sense that you like you have to fight against bitterness and prejudice that you you start to experience uh, from negative experiences with different uh, groups of people because you know that bitterness in the end there's i mean there's millions of movies and tv shows about this we have to you cannot become bitter because in the end it's it, it will it will eat you it will devour you now is it true that you raised a child but you found out that you weren't a father after having raised the child for two years or so yeah <laughs> How did you end up raising a child that you weren't the father of? You know, um, it's just like anybody else, um, delusion, I think, and uh, affection uh, for another person. 
and uh, and when that affection is reciprocated in good faith, right? Um, so, uh, and there's actually a number of reasons why. Uh, first of all, it was it was kind of close in the first place, like in in terms of like how that would come out. Uh, the uh, the baby was uh, they had blonde hair, and uh, they had blonde hair and blue eyes like uh, me, and they have another genetic defect that is really rather specific. And to me that I've, I, I've never known anyone else to have. And it's in a, it's in a place that I'd like it, that it's just not common. And so it, it, there was a number of, it was, it was those qualities that made me go, you know what? Oh my God. It's like, actually, this is my kid. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then after two years, uh, when I, when I, when my relationship ended with, uh, her mom, uh, we decided to get a DNA test just to be sure. And that's when we found out. And it was, it, I mean, it was fine, honestly, uh, because um, I still wanted to be a dad, but I realized and I had to respect uh, her mom's uh, want to like move on. And then uh, she, and, and the baby was only two years old. So um, didn't, she didn't even remember. Like I met her when I was doing a film uh, later on, a few years later, like five or six years later, I saw, she actually came with, uh, the baby that I raised you, the baby did not recognize me at all. She had no memory of me whatsoever. Um, so it's, it's quite strange, but yeah. So, Christoph, you were a wonderful guest for this podcast, and I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Christoph was an amazing guest to interview. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.